BBOR Black Box Online Radio coming to you from West Virginia Black Box Nid eighty eight on Instagram for the bonus podcast. And today we're continuing with the discussions about the Long Island serial killer. If you didn't hear yesterday's episode on the LISK, then you can keep listening, but I would just put it out for people who have just checked out the series that this is an ongoing series and there are multiple parts to it, but you can listen to them in any order. Almost all the discussions on this channel have multiple parts, but you can listen to them as a standalone episode or you can listen to them in order as part of the ongoing series any way you like. But there will be more episodes coming out about the Long Island serial killer this week, and to future listeners, feel free to check out the multi-part series. Tomorrow, however, there will not be a Long Island serial killer episode because that will be the release date for the book Killer on a White Horse by me, Ned Dahan, and that'll be the show dedicated to that. It is, of course, a novel fiction, but I'll be talking a lot about that tomorrow, I would, we can save that discussion for another time. And today we can talk about the Long Island serial killer. But just one last announcement: as always, you can download this show for free at Launchpad One. That's the user affiliate, user generated affiliate of Podcast One. There's a link to that in the description box. You can download the audio for free as a pure podcast and take it on the go. Or if you want to download the video version of this with the images, you can use YouTube Premium, but that one you do have to pay for. Launchpad 1 is free. Another great way to support the show is just by visiting the Teespring page, have a look at some of the merchandise, t-shirts available, almost all sizes and colors are listed, and remember, being weird is not a crime. I said from the beginning that the Long Island serial killer story seems to have an interconnection between two cases. First, there is the actual Long Island serial killer, and then there's the death of Shannon Gilbert, because she is the one who is the reason why we know about all of the other Long Island serial killer victims. It was the search for a woman named Shannon Gilbert who ran off into a Long Island marsh, and that prompted a search, and then they discovered the bodies of women who had been um, placed into burlap sacks and buried in the ground. And that becomes the more famous Long Island serial killer um, image that perhaps comes to mind. But when this uh, series was proposed to me, I mean, many people had requested episodes on the Long Island serial killer over the last six months or the last 12 months. But uh, Jack Cooper over at the Zodiac Killer channel suggested that not only I do a multi-part series, but he also um, pointed me in the direction of a movie called Lost Girls, which is available on Netflix. And I watched that one last night. And it really is a very different film, and I've always said that somebody needs to just have a podcast purely dedicated to comparing these crime dramas, that like, you know, just like movies, compare them to the actual true crime narrative, and you can just go back and forth. In the movie, they said this, and in the, um, in the uh, documentaries, they say this, or in the case file, they have these facts, but in the movie, they present it in this way. I think that would be an excellent show, even if I'm not the host of it, I mean... I think that that would be a very valuable discussion. But when you, if you do watch the movie Lost Girls, available on Netflix, it focuses on the death of Shannon Gilbert. And it's the story of how her mother is searching for her. Her mother, Mari Gilbert, who will be a very integral player in the true crime world for numerous reasons, as we will see today. But it's 
I always say that I don't like to give away spoilers. I don't like to share any detail about a movie. But this is one where you're going to have to, because firstly, it's um, a true crime story. And this film is really different than a lot of the other ones out there. And if you haven't seen it, you can keep listening. It just follows the timeline of events in regards to the uh, death of Shannon Gilbert. And that's just it. Like, it's the sequence of events leading up to the discovery of her remains. And I would highly recommend that you do watch it, even if you've heard this episode without seeing the film. Because it will, of course, provide the visual context and uh, just uh, contribute to a greater understanding. But first, I would like to um, go to the comments that you guys left on yesterday's Long Island uh, Serial Killer episode. And um, the first one is from JT, uh, JTOPS3000, that is. And he says, Great job as always, Ned. Perhaps you could find out something for us. The only mystery greater than who is the Long Island serial killer is what happened to the original television documentary on the case. It is nowhere to be found. It included a sit-down interview with Shannon Gilbert's driver, Michael Pack. There was also a segment where her sisters visited the house of Joseph Brewer, the man who hired Shannon's services that fateful evening. All of the parents of the four young ladies were interviewed. Various cops gave sit-down interviews. The information contained in that show was much more detailed than all of the shows related to this case now. I can only assume that it has been suppressed by the authorities, or the rights were later purchased by bigger news shows and dismantled the use of it in bits. So, um, I can't comment too much on what happened to that, uh, footage that he's talking about, but some of these people here are going to be very integral, because Shannon Gilbert goes missing at 4.51 in the morning. She is an escort. She advertised her services on Craigslist. And the other four people he's talking about are going to be known as the Gilgo for they were the first four bodies that were found um, close to Gilgo, the town of Gilgo, but Gilgo Beach is the area for simplicity's sake. And she leaves at 4.51 in the morning. She is hysterical. And the movie Lost Girls begins with this gentleman, Joseph Brewer, who comes out to talk to the driver, Michael Pack, spelled P-A-K. Um, he's East Asian. And he's saying, hey, you gotta get this girl out of my house. He says something, and I want to paraphrase, she's on all fours behind my couch. He's saying things to the effect of she's freaking out, she's hysterical, she's out of her mind. But at 451... Shannon makes a 23-minute 911 call when she says, They're coming after me. Someone is trying to kill me. And this can be interpreted in two ways. As I said, 60 Minutes Australia pointed out that if she says they are trying to kill me, then that um, should indicate that there is there are multiple perpetrators involved. There are, There is more than one person coming after her. But also, it says someone is coming after me. That would suggest that there is just a single perpetrator that is coming after her. Shannon disappears into the marshy areas of Long Island, and she is never seen alive again until about a year and a half later when her remains are discovered. About a week prior to the discovery of uh, Shannon's body, and this is all laid out in the, the film Lost Girls, first they find things that belong to her, her belongings. There's even a scene where the actress who plays Murray Gilbert is holding up Shannon's ID. They find her belongings, and then later on they would find her skeletal remains. But um, one point, though, that I thought was rather um, interesting is that they concluded the, epi the movie 
by sharing some things that had been released from the Gilbert family attorney. The authorities determined that there were no signs of foul play in Shannon Gilbert's death. They believed that she wandered off into the marsh, she was disoriented for some reason, and um, I guess I'll just get to that theory that she may have been under the influence of drugs, particularly cocaine. She wandered off into the marsh, and um, in her own disoriented state, she drowned. I've said it once and I'll say it again, so many true crime cases have this explanation that when somebody is in a disoriented state near a water source, then the risk of drowning is so much higher. It just, it, it's the explanation for numerous true crime cases. Someone was disoriented near a water source, and that means that it's not a sign of foul play. And it would also mean that it was not the Long Island serial killer that was coming after her. And, um, but the issue, though, with um, Shannon is that her family, via their attorney, hired an independent coroner to examine Shannon's remains, and they determined that she had signs of strangulation. And by that, I think, I mean, it's not, maybe the coroner wasn't 100% set on saying that she was conclusively strangled to death, but there were signs of strangulation. And of course, she wasn't strangled to death, to the best of her knowledge. Um, she ran off into the marsh and was never seen again. There's no way we could say definitively that someone ran after her and strangled her on the marsh and left her there. I think that that would be jumping to conclusions. However, she was strangled at some point on that night. So says the independent court, or the coroner that was hired by her family's attorney. They also shared a card at the end of the film that there were no drugs that were found in Shannon Gilbert's system. Now, I've never done cocaine before, but I would like to go over to drugabuse.gov and just read what they say about the long-term use of cocaine, because it's something that they did discuss in the film Lost Girls, that there, one woman who is a former slash sometimes current sex worker talks about how almost everyone in that profession is using cocaine at some point because it just gives you the energy to continue. It would have given Shannon the energy to continuously work a job like that. However, her mother insisted that she did not do drugs. The other mothers of the victims insisted that their daughters did not do drugs. But at drugabuse.gov, they have here, with regular use, tolerance may develop to higher doses. Most frequent use of cocaine or both are needed to produce the same level of pleasure and relief from withdrawal experienced initially. At the time, users can also develop sensitization in which less cocaine is needed to produce anxiety, convulsions, or other toxic effects. I hope that's clear. It means that if someone is doing even a smaller amount of cocaine, then it could lead to the anxiety. Users take cocaine in binges in which cocaine is used repeatedly and at increasingly higher doses. This can lead to increased irritability, restlessness, panic attacks, paranoia, and even full-blown psychosis, in which the individual loses touch with reality and experiences auditory hallucinations. With increasing doses or higher frequency of use, the risk of adverse psychological or physiological effects increases. Animal research suggests that binging on cocaine during adolescence enhances sensitivity to the rewarding effects of cocaine and MDMA. Thus, binge, use of, binge uses of cocaine during adolescence may further increase vulnerability to continued drug use. 
But um, the most uh, valuable part there in relation to the death of Shannon Gilbert would be this part here about it can lead to irritability, restlessness, panic attacks, paranoia, and even full-blown psychosis. I think all parties would agree, based on just what I've said, that she's making a panicking 911 call at 4.51 in the morning that lasted for 23 minutes. And, um, I mean, the fact that she stayed on the phone for 23 minutes and the authorities weren't able to do anything or they weren't able to um, pinpoint her location, but, I mean, that's just shocking. And they pointed out in the film Lost Girls about how um, other times, you know, like they call 911 themselves and then they can be there in 12 minutes. Like the police could have arrived there. It's just they were uh, not giving 100% effort on the night that Shannon Gilbert disappeared. And if they had, by, the, by they I mean everyone associated with the authorities, then she may have... Uh, May, have, may not have passed away that night, but irritability, restlessness, panic attacks, paranoia, talking about how someone is coming after me, they're trying to kill me. Now, as I said, the coroner reported that there were no drugs found in her system, so that would mean that she was not under the influence of cocaine and that maybe she was genuinely being attacked by someone. We cannot rule that possibility out, especially that it seemed like she was strangled. But one of the other points that was shared in the film Lost Girls, as well as in some other parts of the um, true crime literature, is that not only did Shannon Gilbert have bipolar disorder, there was also a very large history of mental illness in her family, because her sister, Sarah Gilbert, also had um, schizophrenia, or a type of... Um, a type of schizo disorder that I had not heard before. I think some other sources have stated, though, that she was a schizophrenic. She's also featured in the film Sarah Gilbert, but during a schizophrenic episode, she would go on to murder her own mother. Mari Gilbert passed away because her daughter, Sarah, uh, murdered her in, I believe, 2016. But don't quote me on that date. Another horribly, horribly tragic turn in the case. So... Even without the use of cocaine, because we don't know if Shannon was using cocaine or not, although I did, I mean, it seems like she was not. I just read that off there because those types of responses were what Shannon was experiencing, but I think you can tell from my presentation so far that I'm leaning somewhat against Shannon Gilbert being a genuine victim of the Long Island serial killer, and looking at rather, was she just having a manic episode, and that in that disoriented state, she wandered off into the march, and she passed away either because of um, the elements or drowning. I mean, you'd think the coroners would be able to determine if she had drowned, but her body was there for more than a year, exposed to the elements. And I'm not a forensic scientist, but that can definitely affect the medical examiner's reports. To help us out, we're going to go over to the article from Heavy.com entitled, Shannon Gilbert's cause of death, was she murdered? And uh, one of the big mysteries of Netflix's new Lost Girls documentary is what exactly happened to Shannon Gilbert. And even though they say that here, um, Lost Girls is not a documentary, it is a drama. Like, it's, um, it is done in, like, a movie. Maybe you could call it docudrama, but it is definitely not a, um, documentary. It is like a dramatic recreation of the events. And it's not one of those things either that jumps back and forth between documentary and um, goes back to um, 
like the actors giving their portrayal. It is all shot with actors. I find that um you gotta watch either one or the other. I've reviewed a couple of them here. One is called uh, Manson, about the Manson family, and another one was The Monster of Munga TT, even though I'm not pronouncing that correctly. They're like shot halfway as a documentary and halfway as a as a film using actors. I want either one or the other. This is a drama, being clear. Her mother, Mari Gilbert, was still advocating for her daughter until the day she died, just months after an independent autopsy reported that Shannon might have been killed. Here's a look at what we know about Shannon Gilbert's cause of death. Shannon Gilbert went missing after a terrifying 911 call in May of 2010. In 2011, her body was found. But before her body was found, multiple other women's bodies were found on Ocean Parkway between Gilgo and Oak Beach, and authorities began to suspect a serial killer had been at work in the area. Many of the women, including Shannon Gilbert, had worked as prostitutes. And uh, not all the victims were prostitutes, of course, because there was one who was just a baby, baby Jane Doe, who was um, a toddler at the time. I, I did think it was odd, though, that even as a toddler, they reported she was wearing gold earrings. Um, I, I don't know um, if that's a normal thing for toddlers to to do, but um, just putting that out there. And one of the victims is just referred to as unidentified Asian male, and I said I will could say that he was a cross-dresser, and that's the only um, other way I'll describe that, but I believe he was also working in some aspect of the of the sex work industry. I also don't want to speculate too much because we don't know who that guy was. So, not only were they all working as escorts, they were all using Craigslist. That's one of the reasons why the Long Island serial killer is referred to as the Craigslist Ripper, is this just an enormous coincidence, though, that someone like Shannon Gilbert is running around near Oak Beach, near Gilgo Beach, and she's running at 4.51 in the morning. She makes a panicking 911 call that lasts 23 minutes, saying, they're coming after me, someone is trying to kill me, and she ends up dead. And then they discover a serial killer graveyard. Like, this is what they're exploring in the film Lost Girls. Marie Gilbert, her mother, the actress who's playing her mother, I should say, is just like if it weren't for Shannon, you wouldn't know about any of these other victims, yet you're trying to say that she was not connected. I mean, but you did notice, I'm sure you've noticed that very striking detail about the Gilgo four. The four other victims were um were found uh placed into burlap sacks and Shannon's remains were not. I'll keep going with the article here. Shannon Gilbert's story is terrifying. Gilbert, age 24, had been struggling with depression after being diagnosed with bipolar disorder, CBS News reported. The day she went missing, she called 911 from inside the client's home at around 4.51 a.m. She said, someone was after her. They are trying to kill me, she said on the call. Her driver, Michael Pack, and the man who hired her, Joseph Brewer, could be heard talking in the background of the call. CBS noted, Brewer was telling her to leave his home. She didn't say where she was. In fact, Dominic Varone, the former Suffolk County chief of detectives, told CBS News that she didn't sound coherent, but she did sound scared. She went to a neighbor's house, Gus Coletti, at 5 a.m. He heard someone yelling, help me, and he opened the door. He said she was just saying, help me, help me, but wouldn't answer his questions. He called 911, and he told her to come inside and sit and wait, but she ran away and hid under his boat outside. While her driver, Pack, drove slowly outside, later she went to another neighbor's home, Barbara Brennan, she, and 
Barbara Brennan said she was there at about 5.21 in the morning and knocked on her door. Brennan called 911, but she ran away. After that, no one heard from her again. In fact, it was a year later in 2011 when her body was found. The New York Times reported that she was found on Jones Beach Island in December of 2011, near where her purse, jeans, and shoes had been found days before. This is also something very important to remember that um, in many of these high-profile missing persons cases, the victim has often passed away, and they've all, they often pass away in a very short um, time after their disappearance, and their remains can be found very close to where, they're, where they have last been seen. It's just locating the exact spot is very difficult, but I think that could solve a lot of these um, high-profile missing persons cases. Officials at first believed she had tried to walk through the marshland and had drowned. The county medical examiner said her cause of death was undetermined. The New York Times reported, but police did not believe her death was connected to the possible serial killer in the area. So, um, I think that that is, uh, something that is just going to be very difficult to determine if her remains are exposed to the elements for more than a year. It can be done, and they've done their best, but... A lot of forensic material is not going to be present. And I would also like to say that the film Lost Girls is based on a book of the same name, Lost Girls, an Unsolved American Mystery by Robert Kolker, and it is available on Amazon.com. And I would like to read the description of that book here when it says, A literary account of the lives and presumed serial killings of five Craigslist prostitutes whose bodies were found on the same Long Island beach in 2010, based on the New York Magazine cover story. Shannon wanted acceptance. Maureen wanted a solution. Megan wanted love. Melissa wanted adventure. Amber wanted to be saved. Over the course of three years, each of these young women vanished without a trace. Maureen in 2007, Melissa and Megan in 2009, Amber and Shannon in 2010. All but one of their bodies was discovered on Gilgo Beach, Long Island, an unsettled, overgrown seven-mile stretch of shoreline on the string barrier islands of near South Oyster Bay. Sharing the same profile, all were in their twenties. All but one was under five feet tall, meaning the um the other victims were all four foot eleven, and were all prostitutes who advertised on Craigslist. The police concluded that they were all victims of one murderer, the Long Island serial killer. Well, no, the police did not conclude that uh, Shannon Gilbert was a victim of the Long Island serial killer. Absolutely not, unless he's talking about someone else. The most skillful and accomplished serial killer in New York since the son of Sam, David Berkowitz. But as intrepid young reporter, date Robert Kolker, discovered, the truth about these women went far deeper than common assumptions. The victims weren't outcasts. They weren't kidnapped or enslaved. All came from a slice of America ignored by politicians and the media, the poor, often rural parts of America, parts of the country hit hard by economics, where limited opportunities forced people to make hard choices, choices that led them to places like Gilgo Beach. Working closely with the women's families, Lost Girls tells the story of their deaths and their lives, offering a searing portrait of crime and circumstance that goes to the heart of modern America itself. And um, this is Lost Girls by Robert Kolker. Uh, some big points in here. Firstly, comparing uh, the Long Island serial killer to David Berkowitz, I think the Long Island serial killer is way more methodical because the Long Island serial killer is making a very definitive effort to cover his tracks, whereas somebody like 
David Berkowitz if, if, if he committed all of the murders. Sorry, Maury Terry, I'll put your stuff on the back burner for a while. I mean, that's just sneaking up on some people at Lover's Lanes, firing some gunshots and running away. And what you don't have with the Long Island serial killer mystery, to the best of my knowledge now, is this three-way relationship among the killer, the media, and the police departments mailing in letters bragging about the crimes. The taunts are made with phone calls, actually, after the Long Island serial killer murders, but the, the phone calls are made to the victims' families. There isn't this desire to get the name in the paper to put a message out there, and um, Dr. Todd Grande theorized in the last episode that it could actually deal with personality traits, average neuroticism versus low neuroticism, whereas the Long Island serial killer would be worrying about things a little bit more. But overall, I have to insist that the Long Island serial killer seems much more methodical and much more calculating and putting a much greater effort in covering his tracks than David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, and um, perhaps some other similar killers like the Zodiac Killer. But with the ways in which these crimes are committed, I need to go back to an interview that Erin Moriarty did on CBS This Morning when she said, the Long Island serial killer is probably someone who has a very strong cover story. He has to provide a reason about why he was out there burying the bodies of victims at different times. It's like he telling people that he's going to be a fisherman. That's what a, one of the theories was that I was reading off last time. Or is he telling them that he's a groundskeeper for somewhere out and so on? And Or is he just making up a story that he's telling his family, or if he has one, or the other people? in his life, or is he simply just operating at night? Shannon Gilbert disappeared at 4.51 in the morning after working a job where she's with a John, he's a client, and um, she is spending time with him in Gilgo Beach. Now, what are the odds that she was just working as an escort who advertised on Craigslist and that she just had a manic episode, ran into the marsh, and passed away from either succumbing to the elements or drowning. What are the odds that that actually happened? Well, here's something. If this is a very affluent area that is close to New York City, not super close, but close enough, then you're going to have people who have lots of money. People who have lots of money regularly hire escorts, and then, um, I mean, they just have the means to do so. And it could genuinely be that there's just a large concentration of clients in that area near Gilgo Beach, near Oak Beach, that these um, that this community has people who have the resources to uh, pay these high prices. So maybe lots of escorts go out there and we only heard about the ones who came to an untimely death. But with the Gilgo 4, it seems very clearly that... Um, they're, they all have very similar appearances, they have similar um, height, uh, like they have similar eyes. This person was targeting them for a reason, and that definitely does seem like the activities of a single serial killer. Not even a group at that point, because everyone's going to have a different story. Unless they're monozygotic twin brothers, they're going to have a different story. They wouldn't be targeting women only with that single appearance. I'm just going with my gut instinct here, as someone who is somewhat of a newcomer to looking into this material, it appears that there is a um, that there's a connection to a single 
serial killer who is responsible for the deaths of the Gilgo Four. I mean, maybe accomplices operated in some way, but a single serial killer who's responsible for the deaths of the Gilgo Four. And I am forced to say that I cannot see complete signs of foul play in the um, death of Shannon Gilbert. I mean, at this point, it was her death listed as accidental. It's possible. It's possible. I mean, I'm leaning toward that way. I certainly wasn't there that night back in 2010. However, I mean, is it possible that Joseph Brewer, the man that she was seeing, her client, strangled her and that's what uh, set off her manic episode or that um, she just freaked out? But one thing that was shared in the um, movie Lost Girls is, as I said, one of the characters were um, based on a real person, but she is a somewhat retired but goes back into the sex work professional well and she says that if and when no matter how messed up she is whether it's from drugs or from drinking or from anything she would not leave the driver like no matter what kind of drugs or alcohol are in her system she would not leave the driver because the driver is the safety net and just as a human being if you've ever been un intoxicated under anything, I think you'll probably know, unless you're at the blackout level, that you would still have the awareness to go with your driver to the person who's driving a car that you're familiar with. This is how you're going to get out of the um, place that you are in. And um, that also suggests that it wasn't a cocaine overdose that triggered her um, hysteria. It could rather be a manic episode and that... Um, she simply lost control of her mental faculties because this is another controversial statement, but in psychosis, there is no logic. People are not going to respond in a rational and calculated way. And as you heard, Shannon's just running around, hitting doors, shouting, help, help, help. But people are trying to ask her, well, what's wrong? How can I help you? And she's just saying, help me, help me. I mean, was she experiencing auditory hallucinations? That stuff will be unable for me to determine, but you did hear about how that can be something that people would experience during a psychotic break, or someone would experience that um, from some type of drug overdose. And it's always important to remember that there could be other drugs out there, especially the types of party drugs are very difficult to detect during the autopsies. I mean, people talk about this all the time in almost every unexplained death people ask well was he or she under the influence of a party drug that are more difficult to detect on autopsies so now i would just like to ask you guys a challenge question and then i'll move on to a different segment but do you believe that shannon's behavior is suggesting that she was around someone who was trying to kill her or do you believe that she was experiencing a manic episode or a drug overdose and um, she died because of accidental death, succumbing to the elements, drowning, and um, something to that effect. Was this an accident, or was she murdered? And I'm even if you don't think it was the Long Island serial killer, and you think it was just someone in the vicinity, but do you think Shannon Gilbert was murdered, or was this an accidental death? I would like to give that as a challenge question. But the... Um, reason why I'm asking you that is I've taken somewhat of a hard stance. I'm leaning toward that this was not the Long Island serial killer and she was just in an area where there are lots of rich people and they hire escorts regularly 
she had like a psychotic break and people were searching for her and because of that search they learned about this serial killer graveyard and that's why we know about the long island serial killer today that's just my assessment of it if i'm wrong i will be the first to admit it but and i'm not saying that i know any of that with a hundred percent certainty i mean i've been wrong many times before it's just um, my response but what's yours and i said i would like to go on to a different segment because we talked about the Gilgo Four, the unidentified um, Asian male, and the um, woman who was listed as Jane Doe Number Six, who was with her toddler. And the um, toddler originally thought to be the daughter of Jane Doe Number Six. She was later linked by DNA to an unidentified female found seven miles away in Nassau County. So, um. She was the uh, daughter of someone, but she was not the daughter of Jane Doe number six. And one of the victims was Jessica Taylor, who, um, while her head and hands were found on the beach, her torso was discovered miles away in Manorville, along with the body of Jane Doe number six. Now, this is one that does not seem consistent at all with the Gilgo Four, because when you hear something like this, the head and the hands have been removed. This has been done in other true crime cases. And I've, um, I, I don't mean to share something morbid with you guys, but like when I was back in high school, you know, I'm sitting around, I was actually walking down the outdoor hallway, I guess it's called a breezeway or something with one of my classmates. And I just said, you know, if um, you wanted to get away with a murder, you would just remove the head and the hands from the victim, right? I mean, they identify people through fingerprints and dental records, right? And you're like, how much have you thought about this? And I was like, I don't know, reading stuff online. But people have tried that. That was just a conversation that I was having with my classmates saying those weird things that teenagers say. No, people actually do that. They try to remove the head and the hands of the victims because they think that fingerprints and dental records are how they're going to be identified. But hello, I mean, DNA. I mean, if there could be all types of um, forensic material that is left behind. And because... Watching forensic files, you can find out that fingerprints can also be re retrieved from the anything that has been touched by the vic on the victim, including the victim's body. They can get fingerprints off of the victim's skin. Anything can be left behind, or even if you're wearing gloves, fibers from your gloves could be transferred to the uh, victim, and then they can match the fibers to the gloves that you've got in your glove compartment or in your closet. People are going to get caught. There's so many ways to identify and connect somebody beyond fingerprint, or sorry, yeah, beyond fingerprints and dental records. And there's so many ways, other ways to identify a person. I mean, so many of us have our blood and our DNA already on file, so it's ridiculous to try and do that. Now, that was my first instinct, that here that someone would try to remove the head and the hands of Jessica Taylor because um, they wanted to make it more difficult to identify her. And in a big commonality in the Long Island serial killer case is that people are um, looking at how this guy seems to be putting in a lot of effort in trying to uh, disguise the material to make the victims less identifiable, but there definitely is not a good job in that because, as I said, it's kind of a piss-poor attempt. Listen to what it just says here, the... While her head and her hands were found on the beach, her torso was discovered miles away in Manorville, along with the body of Jane Doe number six. Well, okay, I mean, if you're going to try and hide any of her um, 
any of her remains. That's a piss poor job at doing that. Like, what on earth is that, that person doing? I mean, like, the authorities connected everything together very easily. But I would like to read off the seven other cases that have been suspected of the Long Island serial killer. The first is, of course, Shannon Gilbert. Shannon Gilbert, the call girl who disappeared in May of 2010 and prompted the discovery of the bodies. Police have ruled her death to be an accident. I really wish that I wasn't on the side with the authorities who seemed to have bungled the investigation, but... I have to lean that way, and I'm always open to correction. If you think that Shannon Gilbert was killed by the Long Island serial killer, please put your idea in the comments section below. Natasha Jugo, J-U-G-O, age 31 from Queens. Her body washed up onto Gilgo Beach on June 24th, 2013. These are the quote-unquote unconfirmed crimes being clear. There was an unidentified woman, two unidentified women actually, uh, Peaches Jane Doe, a woman with a heart-shaped peach tattoo left on her breast, was found in 1997 in Hempstead Lake State Park. Well, um, we've already said one thing, the Long Island serial killer did uh, mutilate some of the tattoos of victims, but also um, I, I would just um, point out that the Long Island serial killer was operating as early as 1996, so that 1997 timeline does fit. Cherries Jane Doe, a female with a tattoo of two cherries on her left breast, was found on the beach in Memoronic in 2007. Hope I pronounced that correctly. But um, it almost seems like this person is um, okay with some tattoos, but not all, if these are indeed confirmed Long Island serial killer victims. Tanya Rush, a prostitute who was found in 2008 in a small suitcase off of Southern State Parkway in Belmore. And she is the final one. So there are seven additional victims that could be attributed to the Long Island serial killer. In addition to the Gilgo Four, Melissa Bartolome, Maureen, Brainerd Barnes, Amberlyn Costello, and Megan Waterman. Then, of course, there is the unidentified Asian male, Jessica Taylor, whom you just heard about. Jane Doe number 6 was found miles away in Manorville. Her head and hands were, and right foot were found on the beach. Okay, so that's a mutilation, but... What on earth is going there? Like, it really doesn't seem like this person is making a very hard attempt to hide these body parts that have been cut off. And the uh, toddler girl who was um connected to the unidentified female who was found seven miles away, that also is absolutely, um, absolutely bizarre. I mean, on the one hand, it seems like that person separated the mother and the daughter and buried the daughter in another location to throw off the authorities. And to a certain extent, that killer was successful in doing that. This is an unsolved case. And originally, they thought that she was the daughter of um, Jane Doe number six, but she's actually the daughter of Jane Doe number seven. Just think about that, though. So many of these victims still remain unidentified. Uh... I mean, they must have families out there somewhere. Someone is wondering where their their daughter or their son is, but they just cannot even figure out who these people are. And that's perhaps one of the reasons why the Long Island serial killer case will go unsolved for a very long time, unless there is some type of DNA breakthrough. And I do have to insist, though, there are numerous ways in which not only can someone identify the body, but the assailant can leave forensic material behind that can connect them back to him. And, um, I mean, even if he just destroys something that would hide the identity of one of the victims, 
it would also not mean that something couldn't be traced back to him. As I said, clothing, fibers, uh, fingerprints on skin, numerous things. Well, I think that's going to conclude things. Now, I wanted to devote this episode mostly to the death of Shannon Gilbert, but I also um, wanted to talk about the other unidentified victims, or not only that, but the unconfirmed Long Island serial killer victims. It's almost like we're going to have the canonical crimes and the unconfirmed crimes. But with the unconfirmed crimes here, um, there's something that's just bothering me about that Peaches, Jane Doe, Cherries, Jane Doe. I mean, they both have tattoos on their left breast of something like that. The something is bothering me about that. Like, do you ever have those moments when something just doesn't seem right or something shouldn't be a coincidence? Perhaps I'll talk about that in a future episode. But thank you for listening to uh, this discussion here on the Long Island serial killer and the death of Shannon Gilbert. So if you would like to contact the show, you can do so by writing at blackboxonlineradio at AOL.com. I also have my personal Facebook in the description box. You can follow the show on Facebook at Blackbox Online Radio, and you can also get me on Instagram, of course, at blackboxnet88. And please tune in tomorrow for the release party for the book Killer on a White Horse by me, Ned Dahan. Lots of things going on on the channel, and I will see you on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Until next time.